One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time. to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. <laughs> I have three kids. Tony is 10 and Libby and Nate are almost seven. And I have two kids. Jay is four and Kenny is about one and a half. Our kids are pretty adorable, aren't they? They are. This is the part in the episode where we both tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are. Because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. Deborah, what have your kids done this week that was particularly cute? So this story reflects both poorly on me and well on me I think we went to see Frozen 2 because it's holiday movie season and before we went to the movie I tried to encourage my kids to take some of their Halloween candy and stuff it in their pockets so they could eat it in the movie theater because I didn't want to shell out big dollars for ripoff movie theater treats and they refused because it was against the rules such goody two-shoes you're raising they are rule followers which is i feel like i am doing a good job but also (laughs) they don't know how to stick it to the man yet i guess yeah talk about a reward that's not a reward like way to raise good kids now shell out ten dollars for sour patch kids (laughs) (laughs) this story kind of makes me feel insane but i swear Kenny said Jay's name for the first time and I was super excited and I told everyone about it and he has not done it since so I worry I might be losing my mind but I also am super excited about the way that Kenny's vocabulary is growing. I love it when babies start talking Mm -hmm. or start talking a lot more that's exciting. Yeah yeah I feel like every day we're getting just something new that actually makes sense which is fun. Awesome. So moving on to our screen time in the news segment, we read an article from the New York Times that ranked Netflix's five. They technically have six, but when the article was published, the sixth wasn't out. So uh, they ranked Netflix's holiday movies. Um, The article is from November 27th, and it's by Elizabeth Vincentelli. Uh, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. She ranked Netflix's five holiday movies in this order. The number one was Let It Snow, which neither of us have seen, but is based on some stories by John Green. Beloved, thanks to his wonderful YouTube channel, Crash Course, of course. Listeners, that's not true. He's beloved for writing a lot of very excellent YA fiction. And it also has Kiernan Shipka in it from Mad Men, who... I feel like I owe because I do not watch her series, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Do you watch it? No, I haven't seen it. All right. So this one looks good. It's rated number one. It's on both of our lists. It it must be good if it's ranked better than Klaus. I know because spoiler alert, the number two on this list is Klaus, which 
it just so happens, is our topic for the day. And Klaus is an animated film all about the origins of Santa Claus. We'll get more into the plot later. The point is, excellent. And it's hard to imagine what could be excellenter. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, Holiday in the Wild, which on the surface looks like it's going to be a pretty standard holiday rom-com. But it starts Kristen Davis and Rob Lowe, which is pretty intriguing. Have you seen how Rob Lowe's kids troll him on Instagram? I have not, but I... I'm here for it. I love self-aware celebrities, even though I know they're just doing it for me. I hope he posts about this movie because it looks really good. And I love Kristen Davis. And then I hope to see how his kids troll his post on Instagram. Okay. So, so far we're three for three on movies that we're interested in, even though we've only seen one. The fourth is Holiday Rush. And again, it looks like kind of your standard Christmas rom-com takes place in a radio station its hook is that it's got a non-white lead which we applaud doesn't sound great though the new york times didn't really like it um and then the last on the list is the vanessa hudgens vehicle the knight before christmas listeners i know it is not pronounced knight but i am just trying to let you know that the title is a pun on the night before christmas but it is starring a Knight, who comes forward in time to fall in love with Vanessa Hudgens for the holidays. This looks really bad. Even though I love Renaissance fairs, I am still not interested in this. Mm -hmm. So there you have it. Netflix's five original holiday movies ranked. Listeners, have you seen any of these? Do you agree or disagree with Miss Vincentelli's verdicts? Let us know. And with that, we can move on to our follow-up and general news. Big news in streaming. Disney Plus is out. And Katie, you got it. Tell us all about it. I know. I know you guys are probably peeved that we're not immediately reviewing something on Disney Plus because it's definitely been the big news in kids-related streaming content. And we didn't want to leave you hanging. So I've spent some time on it. My overall reaction is a resounding meh because they don't have a ton of original content. Their big push is for this original Star Wars show, which is not for kids. It's called The Mandalorian. I don't know if you've heard of it. It stars an adorable baby Yoda. I've heard only about baby Yoda. That's all I've heard about Disney Plus, I feel like. So the vast majority of other content is just back catalog stuff. I don't know if you did this with your kids, but we were pretty quick to introduce Jay to the animated classics that we loved growing up, like Aladdin, The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. So we already had those. I wasn't really chomping at the bit for access to any of these other vault properties, nor do I have a huge sense of nostalgia for like the early 90s television Mm -hmm. movies that they seem to be pushing so hard. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I look forward to seeing what they will do in the future. To me, it's not there yet, which is weird. You hear about adults like losing entire days just like sitting in front of Disney Plus. I just don't see it, guys. Maybe they don't have a one and a half year old. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Keeping them on their toes. Listeners, tell us what you're watching on Disney Plus. Prove me wrong. I would love for it to be better than I think it is. So also new out since our last episode is Frozen 2, which I mentioned that I took my 
you. And I loved it. If you're going to see a holiday movie in the theater, I think you should see Frozen 2. It's a great continuation of the story. The animation was stunning. The songs were really good, although not quite as catchy as Let It Go. Mm-hmm. Really liked the soundtrack. Isn't it amazing how Pixar it's not Pixar. Isn't it amazing how Disney animation just consistently ups its game? It is. Like, there's this scene where Elsa conjures up a ice horse and rides it across the ocean. And it's, like, clearly made out of ice. And then it transitions to, like, the main is, like, what ice that's melting, like, icicles. And it is, like, unbelievably beautiful and mind-blowing that they can do that with animation so stunning i mean obviously it's kind of fraught to make a sequel like you there's a lot to worry about with plot and you are scared that you're not going to be able to recapture the magic but you could have just worried about that and instead they brought it up this other level by still making strides animation wise i am Mm -hmm. so excited to see it it was good so speaking of holidays we are going to take a little holiday break we'll release a new episode on january 8th and so we'll see you in a couple of weeks let us know what you're watching let us know what you think we should review next yeah and we'll all be binging all the holiday movies before then hopefully and that brings us to today's topic klaus Released on Netflix November 8th, it's billed as Netflix's first original animated feature made by the animator who started the Despicable Me franchise and then branched out into his own production company. It's got a star-studded voice cast like Jason Schwartzman, Joan Cusack, Rashida Jones, the guy from Whiplash, (laughs) and it starts out with Jesper. He's like the main character. He's a louse about rich kid who's never done anything, but his dad threatens to disinherit him unless he does something worthwhile. And the dad sends him to Smearinsburg, which is a very remote northerly outpost where everybody in the town is completely miserable. And Jesper is charged with starting up the post office there and the dad wants him to process 6,000 letters in a year or else he's going to lose his inheritance. Jesper meets a teacher who also moved there and none of the kids were going to school so she started being like a fishmonger (laughs) in the schoolhouse. It was kind of just Like, you could smell the rotten fish (laughs) in those scenes. (laughs) At least I could. He also meets this guy who lives way far out in the woods who has a stocked workshop filled with toys that he's built for the children he and his wife were never able able to have. And he ends up seeing, like, this sad picture drawn by a kid in Smearinsburg, and so he delivers a toy, and then word spreads, and kids realize that if they write a letter to this Claus figure, he will deliver toys. And so it's all about the origin of Santa Claus and explains all these reasons behind our Santa Claus tradition, and it was really good. I loved it. Obviously, guys, we picked it because it's the holiday season, And if you listen to our holiday episode last year, we were very impressed with Netflix's original Christmas movie, The Christmas Chronicles. So we thought we'd give them another chance. And 
Oh, I think they did even better this time. Mm-hmm. It was really good. What did you think about just the general concept? Well, I think you have to know that I loved this because I love a good origin story. And I yes. also love movies that focus on the process of how things are done. And this mm-hmm. did both of those. So I was in it from the beginning. I thought they did a really good job of retelling the Santa origin story while making everything feel relatively organic. A lot of the traditions just, you had that moment of, oh, that's how it happened, but it didn't feel forced. And I loved that about it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's a fantastical concept, (laughs) but it it felt real in a reassuring way. Mm Mm-hmm. What did you think? I really liked it. Um, I thought it was fitting for the holidays. It's kind of like a reverse of the Grinch. Like the town is filled with horrible, mean, spirited people. Mm-hmm. The outsider, I, he had like disingenuous motivations because he's trying to save his own inheritance. But he turns it around. Like he makes a good on it. He ends up like want, wanting to be in it to change the town for the better. Right. And who doesn't love a good redemption arc? Exactly. Have you ever seen the classic Christmas movie from, I was going to say from our generation, but I think it's even older than that. Santa Claus is coming to town. That's, I mean, maybe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's uh, made by the Rankin-Bass animators, the same people who did the classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So it has that feel to it, kind of the stop motion animation. And it is also a Santa origin story. So prior to watching this, I would say that was what I considered to be like the Christmas movie canon Santa origin story. Sure. About like Kris Kringle as a young man and how he came to be the figure we know today. And as far as I'm concerned, this can replace that in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) I found it so much more compelling, so much more emotionally resonant. Yeah, A+. plus. Um, you had a really interesting thought about this movie as a metaphor for how we interact via social media. Do you want to go into that? <laughs> I sent that to you in a text right before I went to sleep last night. <laughs> I mean, these people in the village are terrible. They really try to hurt each other. And like this old, there's this scene where this old lady takes like dirty dishwater out and like throws it onto somebody's clean laundry hanging up in their backyard. And it's like a recurring thing she does i mean first of all stop hanging your laundry up in the backyard so she can do this to you but they're horrible and they don't realize that it can be better until the kids start acting nice and then they like follow the kids example and they see that their neighbors are just other people and it seems like when people are online they can hide behind like anonymity or because they're not talking face to face um and I don't know I think that the way people lash out at one another on social media sites this movie reminded me of that because Mm -hmm. people were just so vicious but I have to say I don't think that the children are necessarily changing our social media landscape for the better so I guess what I'm saying is we need a social media klaus to bribe them (laughs) into being less mean to one another 
and then you know we can have a flourishing loving community the internet can finally mm-hmm. fulfill its promise and not be a horrible cesspool mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you think about the look of the show i know we were just talking about frozen and how impressed you were with the strides they'd made in animation this was a much more sort of traditional eh, what i think of as like traditional for our computer generated animation age what were your thoughts i thought it was really good the setting was very dickensian mm-hmm. and then the animation it was sort of wizard of oz esque like the pa- the color palette was really dreary at mm-hmm. first and then it got a little more colorful as the kids good behavior just started to change the town Mm -hmm. which I liked Mm -hmm. I like it when the setting ties in with everything else right as soon as I read that the creator was also behind the Despicable Me franchise Mm -hmm. I was like oh heck yes because you can very much see the similarity the characters are all drawn with those long spindly legs Mm -hmm. and like bulkier upper bodies there's a lot of nose work being done. People mm-hmm. have like very prominent hooked noses. Klaus's nose in particular looks like a ski slope. It's like very flat and mm-hmm. it turns up on the end. The whole look of the film to me was like, what if Gru's house, but everywhere? Because you know how there's yeah. that scene in Despicable Me where it's like a normal suburban street and then you see Gru's house and it has all these like crooked turrets and everything. That was pretty much the aesthetic for all of Smearinsburg. So it fit really well with the past work this animator has done. There's a significant amount of talk about the Disney body proportions and how inaccurate they are and how that could potentially be harmful for little girls to see Disney princesses the way they're Mm -hmm. portrayed. I kind of like how this takes it in the other direction. And like these body proportions are so obviously wrong that no one's Mm going to look at that and be like, well, why don't I have super spindly legs and a ski slope nose? You know, (laughs) it's not aspirational weirdo proportions. It's just weirdo proportions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What did you think about this crazy star-studded cast? I thought they were really good. I always kind of like Jason Schwartzman, and I don't know what he's been doing lately. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been on my radar, so I was pleased to see him make an appearance. How about you? I agree. I had a hard time placing the main voices, mainly because there's a scene fairly early on when Klaus and Jesper like walk together into maybe a workshop. And Mm -hmm. you just see their backs as they're walking. And it reminded me so viscerally of the Disney film Emperor's New Groove like with the big burly. And I think in that movie, it's John Goodman with the tiny spindly David Spade that like once I had that mental image, (laughs) I could not get their voices out of my head. And logically, I was like, that's not David Spade. But I could almost believe that Klaus was John Goodman. So then when I looked and saw who it actually was, it was like a little bit of a disconnect. But I thought they both acquitted themselves well. There was a great scene in which Jesper made Klaus laugh. And it was kind of the genesis of the ho, ho, ho that we all know. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was played really well. So no shock that J.K. Simmons is a very good actor. Newsflash, yeah. guys. 
I also love Rashida Jones, as I know you do too. She is good, and her voice isn't super distinctive. Like, she is, to me at least, she was believable as that teacher. Well, I don't know if you remember, but we, she was in another Netflix animated movie that we reviewed, the White Fang adaptation that we hated. Yeah, and she was the mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yes, can we please know you for this voice work instead of that? Because that right. was horrible. Right. Yeah, I was happy to hear all these people. I thought they all did great. Joan Cusack is a always a favorite of mine and she played like the matriarch of one of the feuding families in Smearinsburg and she was great and prickly her voice is so distinctive I just I love her in everything Mm -hmm. did you have any thoughts about the music there was one song like montage I thought for the setting and time period that this movie was supposedly cast in or set in it was a little poppy yeah but it was fine I thought it was really trying hard to have some sort of like crossover pop hit Mm -hmm. out of this song. And it was about, it was called Invisible. And it's like, you know, the most important things are invisible, guys. I did not care for it. And it did take me out of the world. I'm a fan of a good song. I love a musical. Like if you want to have the characters Mm -hmm. burst out into song about how crappy life in Smearinsburg is. Yeah. I could listen to that all day long. It was like somebody unrelated to the movie wrote the music and then they just spliced it in. Yeah. So were you able to compare this to any adult movies or TV shows? Adult movies and TV shows were hard to come up with. I mean, the whole protagonist is a bad guy and then learns over the Mm -hmm. course of the movie to be a better person. That's a very common trope. But when I found myself thinking about it, it was mostly in movies geared towards kids or families. The mm-hmm. one that I thought of most was a favorite of our School of Rock. Yeah. But I wasn't able to really come up with a grown-up movie. How about you? Um, Have you watched Succession on HBO? I haven't, but all the hubbub around it has convinced me that I need to. I just need to find the time. The master of the universe media mogul um, has these four children who are like of varying abilities and they're always trying to prove themselves to their dad so that they can be named as the successor of his giant company and so it reminded me of that in a way like especially roman for those of you who have seen it um jesper was very roman-esque okay well i look forward to understanding what that means someday And if I were to cast the gritty HBO reboot, I would just make like a spinoff of Succession and send Roman to a remote northerly village and have him start a post office. (laughs) Because I think that would be hilarious. And I think Roman is ripe for redemption. He needs it. Oh, oh, speaking of remote northern villages, can we compare it to another favorite of ours? Men in Trees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when it came good to, one. when it came to casting, I was trying to think of like a good super self-serious artist that could come in and play this concept way too seriously. So I thought that I would recast Jesper with Ryan Gosling. Oh good. I thought he yes, would be a good like choice. That. I thought yeah. that actual Rashida Jones could do a good job playing her role in person as well 
because she could kind of give a deadpan disbelief to exactly how gritty and dark Ryan Gosling was taking this. <laughs> yeah, totally. So was it better when we were kids? I mean, I already gave my take on the superiority of this to Santa origin story, Santa Claus is coming to town. So in that sense, mm -hmm. from a process perspective, I liked this a lot more. But it's hard to separate your childhood nostalgia for certain holiday movies. You know, like when it gets your hooks into yeah. you that young, it's hard to say something else is better. What did you think? I liked it a lot. I think there's so much good holiday content. I think it's better now than when we were kids. Because of streaming, we can watch all those old movies and the new ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We just don't have time for everything. That's the only problem. I watched this with my whole family, and everybody really liked it. But I am going to go ahead and say I would watch this alone voluntarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I watched it at the gym on the treadmill. It was great. I was, <laughs> I was laughing. I was laughing out loud while on the treadmill, possibly putting my life at risk. <laughs> It oh was good. Oh my gosh. Were you running or walking? Uh, I was running at first, but then I eventually just had to start walking because I was worried for my own safety. <laughs> wow. Look at you exercising and working on our podcast. That's I try to multitask when I can. <laughs> Should we do 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids? Yeah, I think it's great for our kids. Mm -hmm. I really liked it. My kids are a little bit older. The scenes where Jas Jasper goes into town are frightening because the kids have like these hollowed out zombified eyes <laughs> and they're doing things like building a snowman with like a howling mouth and like stabbing it with carrots like <laughs> carrots sticking out of the body of the snowman at, like knives instead of using a carrot for the nose so except for like some of the violence between the townspeople I think it's good mm -hmm. Jay watched it and I think it did a great job of crossing age barriers like there was a lot of stuff that was enjoyable for older kids like yours but Jay mm -hmm. still followed the story and he was really enthusiastic about it yeah, even for his age, I wouldn't say no. I don't think these are going to shock any of you listeners, but should we move on to ratings? I would give it a five. Five stars, for sure. If you are looking for holiday content, this is a great one. I think we may have given Christmas Chronicles a five as well, but I would watch this before that. I would definitely watch this before that. That had that like cheesy fake news line oh, that I think yeah. maybe... We'll, we'll look back, listeners, and we'll figure out what we rated that one yeah I think I mean as always our standards change but Netflix way to go on raising the bar because you did good last year you did better this year we can't wait to see what you're going to do next year all right well thank you for listening to this episode of it's my screen time too please rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts it helps other people find the show you can check out our awesome website at myscreentime2.com. You can also still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at, at myscreentime2, or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. We promise to check that inbox roughly once in a blue moon. 
Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Screen time. Bye. Screen time. Screen time. Screen time.